Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm excited to have Maya Elias on our show today, and she's the creator of MayaElias.com and also the founder of Built Impact, a branding agency that helps people kind of establish a curriculum-based content for their brand. So if you're somebody with some sort of expertise or knowledge in some subject matter, and you want to kind of become established online, this is probably a great resource. And they're kind of in beta, so we'll talk about that at the end. But today's discussion is going to be more, maybe more on the beginner side of things. Like if you're just getting started there and you're like, yeah, how do I kind of establish myself? How do I develop that personal brand? What do I need to do to kind of get more attention and get more customers, ultimately customers and clients online? What are those things that I need to do? And I think Maya's one of those people that is just doing an incredible job doing just that and also teaching and training it. And with her, it's all about systems to help you kind of publish the right kind of content and publish more and do it the right way, do it systematically so you can actually grow. So we're going to dive into that today. So Maya, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So take me through this idea of kind of what you teach in your Content Prep Academy and this idea of like, there's somebody out there who has some sort of subject matter expertise or is, or is developing that and maybe is already blogging or podcasting or creating content, but is kind of stagnant or not getting much traction. Like, what are the things we need to look at here to actually grow a blog or a podcast or become one of those kind of thought leaders that somebody might aspire to be? Yeah, definitely. So I really love working with people that are just really passionate about what they want to teach and put out into the world. So I have like two segments, so to speak, of my audience, people that have already established their expertise, but in the offline space. So usually these Mm -hmm. are like authors or speakers, but they have no idea that they can make money online with like an online membership or an online course or webinars and selling one of their existing products. And then I have people that they know what they're talking about, but they're just really struggling to build online. So they're familiar with things like a lead magnet and launching online courses, but they're just like, I don't really know how to navigate all of this. So my job is just really helping them figure out, okay, how can I stand out as an expert and how can I find my audience in this huge world where my industry is so saturated? The main thing is a lot of people feel like their industry is saturated and all industries are saturated. But the first thing you want to do in order to really stand out is become as niche as possible when you're first starting, right? So there's a million and one personal branding strategist. And I I believe people connect to me most, mainly because of my story and mainly because of my personality and just, you know, those commonalities that they see within me and within themselves. First thing you want to do is figure out what's the very specific niche and how does my story connect to this niche so my audience can connect to my story. Okay. Can you kind of dig into that a little bit more? Because I think it's great advice, but I also know that for some people, they're going to hear that and be like, but I struggle even with that. (laughs) Like it's simple enough in in theory. And then you start planning, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to focus on this and then I'm going to focus on this, but wait, am I too deep now? Like too niche? And is there really like nobody really there? Or is it still too broad? 
you know, how do I figure out where I sit in like in terms of like competition or other people out in the marketing space? And then how does my story tie into it? So a lot of real challenges. And I know I've, I've gone through that myself and that's why I bring this up. So when you are working with a client and you're trying to like help them kind of figure this out, like really hone in on this, what are some of the places where you start and, and how do you decide like, yep, that's the niche. You've gone deep enough, but you still, there's still an actual relevant audience around there. And then mm-hmm. and so let's start with that. Like that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing, honestly, I ask my clients, I'm like, you know, where were you in your life when you when you started gaining interest in this industry? So if you teach finances, if you teach fitness, if you teach business, where were you in your life when you really became interested in this? And what you'll learn is that a lot of the people that you attract are in a similar space as where you were a few years ago or when you first started your journey. So let's say you're okay, you're a finance coach. And when you first started out, you know, getting interested in finances, you were $30,000 in debt, you had just gotten divorced, you really didn't know how to handle your money because you were dependent on your ex-husband. So I would say a, a good niche would be like money mindset for single moms. So that's how I really just connect the story and connect the niche and just figuring out what were you struggling with specifically and who were you at that time? Because then you can translate that into who do I want to help specifically and what's the problem that they're dealing with right now? Interesting. I actually don't know if I've heard it described that way, which I think is a very simple, easy way to start from because we don't have to like start with any theory. We just start with, hey, right. this is where you were, where I was. Right. Yeah. So the first thing is looking at, okay, this is where I was before, kind of writing that down. I think this is where I started and where specifically that snapshot in time of when you actually gained interest in the subject matter that you are are now an expert in. Is that correct? Right, exactly. Because a lot of people are also kind of afraid of the term expert. And once you really understand your story, nobody can tell you that you're not an expert in what you've already experienced. So if you have struggled with finances, you know, as a single mom or as a divorced woman, nobody can say you don't know what you're talking about because you've experienced. And that's, you know, that's why it's just so important to just teach what you know, teach what you've already been through. Ooh, I love that. Okay. We do that. That's the first thing. That's great. So I, can, I kind of write down the snapshot. This is where I became interested. This is the superhero origin story. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. So then what happens next? What do we do next after that? Once we kind of identified, okay, yeah, this is where I gained the interest. This is kind of where I started. What do I do after that? Then you want to start creating content around some more of their pain points and even, you know, creating content more about some of your story. So you can talk about, you know, different reasons that they're failing or different reasons that they're experiencing something, or you can talk about different myths that they believe that's keeping them stuck or different mistakes that they're making that's causing them to, you know, fail at saving money. So I like to create content that kind of lets people know that they need help, but it still kind of helps them, so to speak. So coming from a marketing aspect, it's like you need people to be very aware that they need something from you, but you also need it to be in a way that's valuable. So that's why I post like tips and and tricks and Mm -hmm. reasons and myths and mistakes. Those are all really good. So you want to be really intentional about creating content that's valuable to your audience, but also reminding them that they do need some type of help down the road. So whenever you're ready to launch a product or a service, you know, they're already prepped and primed for that. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier, like uh, maybe about a month ago or something like that. I, I think I was being interviewed on like a summit and mm-hmm. I hope I didn't come off flipping or anything like that. But I was like, you know, <laughs> if you if you look at this, a marketer's job is to be able to make you feel insecure and then mm-hmm. make you feel secure if you, if you, <laughs> right. if you take the next step. 
right. And I don't mean that as like a way to to belittle it or anything like that or say like, oh, that means all marketers are evil. Like not at all. Right. It's just the fact right. that because if you think about it in that context, yeah, hypothetically, somebody who actually is totally good to go could be made to feel insecure. But it, and that that I think it should never be anybody's aspiration. But maybe the person who is like already struggling or has that insecurity, not even has that insecurity, but is struggling, help them recognize it. And that will inevitably make them feel some sort of insecurity. But again, right. the person who's like, you know, has cancer, it's like, yeah, you got to know that you have it before you can get the treatment. <laughs> right, right. So I just think that's an interesting proposition. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. That was a total riff on what you said. No, no, no. I totally agree. It's kind of like, it's an interesting way to put it because it's like, as a marketer, you really do care about your audience, but sometimes your audience is stubborn and they don't want to face the facts. And it's like, listen, this is why you're stuck. This is why you're failing. This is why you're going to be in the same place if you don't decide to get help and you have to be really real with your audience. And then you also have to provide the solution. Like, what do the salespeople call it? Like you have to agitate the pain point basically before you can move on to the selling portion. So just letting people know, not only do I see that you're stuck, but I also understand it. So even coming from a place of I've been where you've been, and that's where the story piece comes in too. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it both like inspirational, and aspirational, when you can mm-hmm. tie it back to your your story and kind of what you're describing here and and craft a narrative around it. Because otherwise, it's like, oh, this is why you suck. It's like, okay, well, click, I'm done, <laughs> moving on. It's part and parcel to both like identify, agitate the pain, or you know, <laughs> not a great way to put it. Sometimes some people might be like, ah, oh, that's icky, but it's like make you feel insecure because that's that's the deal. And I would say here's yeah. another thing to consider because if that comes off in a weird way to anybody listening to this, well, if they just think about it, it's like if you knew somebody was addicted like to alcohol, the right thing to do isn't to like say, you're doing great, here, have a beer with me, right? Like a a real alcoholic, right? That would be the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. It really totally depends on your frame of reference here. And and, and I know some people might be like, that's why I'm just kind of clarifying that point. But I think that's important, like, especially if you're an educator and an instructor and an expert, right? And that's that's exactly what you are. You do have Mm -hmm. this, I think, responsibility to your your customer or client to help them do the right thing. Like if if you're running an ethical business, which I take for granted that everybody listening to this and everybody in your audience is exactly that kind of person, right? Right. You know, you have an obligation to make sure that they do the right thing that they're or that they're doing the right thing for themselves so that, you know, they can take care of their families so that they can impact their clients and their customers and et cetera, et cetera. But you can't do that if you're just sugarcutting things or sidestepping the real issue. Right, right, exactly. Like it's your job as the expert to really point out those blind spots that they're not seeing and that nobody else is pointing out to them. I really like that. I think that puts it in a really kind of simple framework that's really easy to, or not easy to execute, but at least simple and straightforward mm-hmm. to execute on. Okay. So with, with the niche, we want to start with where we, where we began. This is the point of where I became interested in this. This is what I did to now kind of get to where I'm at. And these are like the pitfalls and the hurdles and the setbacks that I went through. And then this is how I got through them. You know, obviously I have to like capture all that, but like segments of that or portions of that, then they become the training or at least part of the narrative when you start to instruct on your topic. Do I have that about right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the training, you know, pretty much ends up turning into whatever it is that you're going to sell. So you're gonna, yep. after you've told them about all of these pain points, now it's like, hey, I want to help you get to the solution. I want to help you get to a better life. I want to help you get to a better business or, you know, a healthier relationship, a better body, whatever it is that you're selling and then take them through the process. Right. So even for free, you can give away the, you know, the what of the process, like, Hey, step one is acknowledge that you have an issue. Step two is, 
you know, this step three is this step four is this step five is that these are the things you need to do. And see, this is the difference between the free and the paid content. Your your free content is really just going to tell them what to do. It's even going to outline what's in your paid content. Like this is what you need to know. And so they have the opportunity to go and try to figure this stuff out themselves. Um, they can Google it, but there's probably a lot of information, you know, on mm-hmm. all of these steps. Or they can just pay you for all of the answers because you're going to give them not only the shortcut, but you're going to give them the answers that are actually right and accurate instead of them having to go out and guess if they're Googling the right things. So definitely the how is what you would charge for and whatever your training is, whether it's inside of a membership, inside of an online course, inside of a coaching program, but you're definitely going to be selling the how. Okay, interesting. Before we get to the the sales piece, and maybe this ties in and it's like done concurrently, do you suggest that there's a certain type of way that we want to be producing content like on our blog or podcast or whatever it is? like a certain sequence of that or a certain amount of that before you lead into any kind of like sale or anything like that? Do you have any thoughts on like, okay, here's like the way that you kind of want to roll into your content creation? Right. Yeah. So if you're new online, I definitely suggest focusing on building the community first. I had a client sign on with me and she was like, you know, I I really do need some of the cash flow. And I'm like, I understand that, but it's really important that we build this community because at the end of the day, you want to come across as somebody who is excited to give out information more than somebody that's excited to take money. So you need to Mm -hmm. build a community of people that trust you first and foremost and people that know that you know, the information that you get for free is valuable so they can trust you with the information that they're going to get for paid. So definitely make sure you're building a community. And once you're building your community, you'll also see the different platforms that they'll want you to be on. So sometimes I'll survey my audience like, hey, what do you guys want from me? More blog posts? Do you want more YouTube? Do you want more webinars? And honestly, creating a community helps me take out the guesswork of trying to, you know, go through all of my analytics, right? So as a strategist, I have to look at the numbers and the analytics, stuff that I really actually do not enjoy doing at all. And I bypass a lot of that by just hopping inside of my Facebook group and saying, hey, what do you guys want from me next? And executing on that. And that's why the community element is so important. Yes, it's so important. So important. Because you don't want to have to guess on how you can help somebody. Right. I mean, it's funny, actually, because it's both strikingly obvious and then not common practice. The common mm-hmm. practice is here's something I want to create. Here's something I think would be helpful, kind of going straight to the product creation versus yes. doing any kind of like research, any kind of like validation. So like I'm a big proponent of like at a minimum before you start creating something like pre-sell it, like at a minimum. And then don't even rush, obviously don't rush to that until you have some sort of community around this and have some sort of idea of what it is that they need help with and how best you can help actually solve that. So like actually starting with those pains and, and, and all that. But I don't know, do you run into that with either students or readers or even clients that they're like kind of putting the wagon <laughs> before the horse? Yeah, absolutely. And I get it because I, I feel like probably what a lot of the things that they look up, you know, it's like, you know, build your brand, create your product, which yes, is something you want to do. But it's like, in the meantime, in between doing all of these little steps, you do need to be building your community. Like my copywriter, she's so big on doing audience research. She's like, we need to actually see what they want. So I do audience research by you know, reaching out to my existing audience, like I said, going in the Facebook group, emailing them, you know, talking to them on social media, but she'll go to like, you know, other places that they're hanging out, other Facebook groups that they're in, other websites that they're reading and and read the comments that they're leaving on other people's pages and see like 
what their actual pain points are. And then, you know, if I already have an existing product or I'm thinking about making a new product, she'll say, we need to make sure that we address these pain points in your sales page, or we need to make sure that Mm. these pain points are addressed when you're creating your content, because if they buy this course and they still leave the course with the pain, then you haven't done your job. And that means that you probably haven't done the proper research. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I love that because that's something that even even I have done. And like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm so much better at this, you know, but not really because it's like, that's exactly <laughs> it, right? You right. still miss these obvious things. And I bring this up because I'm working on some new stuff and I finally dug into the survey that I conducted like six or 12 months ago. And the direction I was going to go was like this idea I had in my head because I had gotten a lot of interest recently about it. But then I dug into the the results and I was like, actually, this thing is like maybe like number four on the list. This other thing is number one. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I probably could still do number four because I'm, I'm definitely like, for some reason, I'm, you know, picking that up in different places, like from emails and these different sources, like yeah. maybe non-scientifically. But then I also have the survey that has like, is more scientific in that regard. That's pointing me to this other thing. They're related to some degree, but it's like that I need to not lose sight of that number one thing. And it's interesting you you brought that up. I think that's very well well put. Tying that into like the sales copy, tying that into like making sure that that's that's captured on the sales page or the content that you're creating, um, whatever it is. Like that are those big pain points or those big um, desires too, and those big ambitions, like whatever it is. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that anymore, but I found that that was really uh, keen insight. Oh my gosh, yeah, you make such a great point because I even do that now, like with people that have already paid me honestly, those are the most important people to listen to. The people that have already paid you, you want to know exactly what it was that got them to make the investment. So like Mm -hmm. when I'm doing a coaching call, I'm like, okay, so tell me about like why you hired me. What were you struggling with asking them those questions? And, you know, I record my coaching calls. I take notes and I'll take these notes and I'll give them to my copywriter. I'm like, we need to make sure like this is a bolded point on the sales page. We need to make sure that this is highlighted every single time that we promote the agency or that we promote this new course. So you definitely want to have conversations with people that are giving you money rather than conversations with the people that are like, yeah, I would be interested because you'll learn as an online educator that there's people that say they're interested but there's way less people that actually make the investment. That's very true. I I completely agree. And one of those probably very kind of straightforward, obvious things that is definitely not common practice, not for me, not for other people, I'm sure, from the people I've interacted, I forget about that a lot. Um, Or I get tied up in these other things and I not forget completely, but ignore the mm-hmm. most fundamental, most important stuff. And it's a lot of, you know, life in many ways, it, it works out to be that 80-20 rule. And it's like, yeah, probably 80% of, of the value or 80% of like the best ideas you can get are from that 20%, which is your paying customers, your paying clients. So yeah, that's probably right. where the attention and focus should be. Exactly. I totally agree. Cool. So we have this, we have this structure. Okay. So we tie that in, we're building to this, we're creating content consistently. We're then tying in kind of those main pain points and problems and, and everything like that into the sales page. What else do we have to do to kind of like, I guess, stay on top of things? Because I, I think a couple challenges is, you know, getting to this point of exhaustion because content creation can get there. That, at least for me, I've, I've hit that point. Where I'm like, I'm just tired right. of creating content. But I think it's a lot of that has to do with maybe complexity and not having focus and, and a lot of these other things less to do with like, oh, I'm just tired of creating content. Do you find that those are some some struggles that your clients or customers have, you know, hitting hitting the wall or, you know, they do this maybe initial stuff, but then they lose traction. Like what are some other things we need to consider here to actually make this something that can grow? Yeah, definitely. So 
one thing that I feel like a lot of content creators struggle with too is visibility. And man, when people are new starting out, I don't know where this lack of impatience comes from because I've been doing this for like eight years now, like making money online. And then it's interesting Mm. to see people that have been online for two months and like I vlogged every day for two months, which doesn't even make any sense. That's, that's way too much, but People right. try to measure their success in these short time frames. And I'm like, girl, you've blogged a few times in 90 days and you're upset because you don't have any results. Like you haven't been doing anything long enough to see actual results. So the first thing is don't get tired after a short amount of time. Like if you're really in this for the long run, then don't think that, you know, three to six months should be any indication of the success of your actual business. So that's the first thing with visibility. You have to be patient, especially if you're doing this, you know, growing your audience organically. Take time to build these important relationships. Like you don't jump in a relationship and after six months, you're like ready to get married or, you know, inviting people into your home. You have to think about it in relation to actual relationships. So that's one thing. Another thing is for visibility is thinking about who you can collaborate with that has a similar audience, but a complementary product. So doing like JV webinars or, you know, guest guest blogging on somebody else's website, getting in front of larger audiences um, of somebody who can benefit from what it is that you have to teach. So maybe you are a nutrition expert and you talk about meal planning and then you know a bigger fitness blogger, somebody that's just a couple steps ahead of you, not too much higher ahead of you. You start building a relationship with this person and you're like, hey, I know you focus on fitness, but you don't talk a lot about nutrition. I would love to create a free nutrition guide for your readers. And then you can build your email list by collaborating with that person. And then once they're on your list, they are now your audience. So you can start selling to them and and building a relationship with them. And then another thing as far as, you know, just being tired of creating content and burning out. The first thing you need is you need to picture the person that you're having a conversation with, because that's all content and marketing is. It's an ongoing conversation with your audience, right? So you need to pretend that you're having a conversation with them. Like, you know, what would so-and-so ask me today about this topic? And you need to be excited about answering that question. So the first thing is get excited about the conversation that you're having with them Mm -hmm. and then pay attention to the things that you're doing over and over and over. Right. So I've answered Mm -hmm. the same questions over and over in my business and I've done blog posts over and over. I've done webinars over and over. So I started documenting what it looked like every single time I did a blog post because I was like, man, I hate having to start from scratch every time I do a webinar or I do a YouTube video. So I started just writing it down like, okay, what's my process for coming up with the headline? What's my process for outlining my posts? What's my process for creating the graphics? So I wrote down all of those things and it helped me to create content faster without approaching my content like, dang, this is another thing I have to do versus, oh, I'm so excited to write this blog post and get the answer out to the person that's asking this question. So documenting your processes and creating these systems in your business can actually make it more enjoyable because now it's not just tedious task after tedious task. It's kind of like, okay, I know what I'm doing because I already have it written down. I really like that. And again, it's not the cart before the horse. This is once you've kind of started to establish yourself. I think that's another false summit for people who are getting started. It's like to dig into the processes and systems too quick. And you can't really do that until you have you start to get the communication going. 
And I think that's an important point of what you said is, but then once you do, it's it's so important that you do that because that's going to make all this content creation so much easier. I love that. But this idea of like, because I do a lot, I always do SLP creation once I've done yeah, something like once I or twice. It. And then like, yeah, it's okay. We have a framework. We have a checklist. We we know how we're going to progress forward. And I'm, I'm even those, I'm usually typically iterating those as we go and finding mm-hmm. new ways to refine them or simplify them, make them better and more effective, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But I, I thought what was interesting was because, you know, you said you have to have a communicate with with the client, with the customer or the, or the prospects or whatever. And mm-hmm. you have to be very interested in the problem discovery, so to speak. Right. And then you have to be very interested in providing a solution. Like it's, it's part and parcel. But then you have to have some sort of introspection of yourself and then also just have some awareness of what is being asked and how it's being asked. Like, cause that's like the meta stuff, right? <laughs> right. It's like, that's the stuff that I'm even now, like I think to myself, like I'm only now paying more attention to. It's like, it's not so much like the question because I've like got, I get, I get consistent questions all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to ignore them because they're consistent questions. Now what I want, I, I need to do is like, I actually look at the meta piece of it, which is how is it being framed? What does this person really think is their problem? What is the struggle here? Like, what are the words they're using? And it's funny because I look at your content prep academy and I think you obviously have done a great job of this. I'm sure you're using the phrases that your students are using or that your customers are using. You you know, right at the top, you say like riding the hamster wheel of content creation. So I'm sure somebody has said to you at some point that they feel like they're riding a hamster wheel. And then this idea of stuck in planning mode, like I'm sure that's probably a phrase that has been used. Just tell me, walk me through that a little bit. Like give me some more insights into this because I think this is gold. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, I just have conversations with people and again, it's not, like you said, it's not just about hearing the same question over and over, but just paying attention to the words that they're using. So again, everybody, you know, struggles as a blogger, right? But you don't want to keep using those same words over and over. You want to hear, okay, well, why are you struggling? Like what's really holding you back? How can I specifically help you? What do you need more help with? And honestly, you know, the best way to really get the best responses from people, just keep asking why. People love talking about their problems because naturally we don't really like to hear people vent. So when somebody gives you the opportunity to vent, you're going to take that opportunity. So if you're asking people, well, tell me more, tell me more, why, why, why? They're going to keep going and they're going to say these things that are going to work perfectly for you to just sell it right back to them. I love it. That's really great. So we're we're at this point. What are your thoughts then on scaling from there? Like, so people have content, they're producing it. You know, are you a proponent of kind of when somebody's kind of got that established, they're they're doing kind of this inbound marketing, the content marketing, they're getting traffic, they're getting subscribers, they're getting sales, they're kind of building their expertise online. Do you have any advice for people once they kind of get to that point, get relatively established ways that they can kind of grow even from there or scale from there? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like there's a bunch of different ways to scale. So the first way is, you know, paid ads, of course. And, you know, that's just that means you're getting new people on your email list. You're trying to convert new people and you can even do that without paid advertisement. So, again, getting in front of people's audiences, seeing who you can collaborate with. And then the other way to scale is by just retaining the clients and customers that you already have, which really is going to cost you less time and less money because now you don't have to share an audience. You don't have to pay to get somebody that you already have. So you want to also think about, okay, what's the next step to this product that they've already purchased? And then you have to go back to your story and think about your own evolution because what you'll realize is that 
your audience is going to evolve with you, right? So like when I first started, I was attracting college students because I was a college student. Then as I got older, I started attracting um, women that were a little bit older than me because I started to get more mature in my approach. So I'm like, okay, this is what they wanted back when I was in college. Now that we've both grown as business owners, this is what they're looking for. So always think about the next step of, how can I make sure that this person just doesn't pay me once? And, you know, this is pretty much the entire point of a funnel, like having your low tier product, then having your mid tier product, and then having your high tier product and thinking about how long can I keep this person? And honestly, the truth is people want to continue spending money with you. Like people don't want a million and one business coaches or people don't want a million and one fitness coaches or a million and one relationship coaches. They want to stick with you as long as possible. But if you don't have anything else to offer, they have no choice but to go somewhere else and seek additional help. So you also want to be intentional about asking your, you know, your past students your past customers and clients, like, what do you need help with next after completing this phase in your life? And then create a product for that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, fantastic. Well, Maya, I just want to say it was, uh, you know, this has been an enlightening conversation. I think even for people who, you know, I think are more established should get some great value out of this, especially if they're they're struggling on like the kind of getting seen, getting noticed, you know, struggling with content creation, if, or if they've even identified that content creation is like the big pain point for them. So I really appreciate your insights in this. What I'd love to do is somebody's listening to this and is like, I need to I need to check out what Maya has. I want to find out more about her. I want to work with her. Where would they go and how would they do that? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Tom. This was awesome. Um, if your audience wants to find out a little bit more about me or get some help, they can go to mayaelias.com or they can go to mayaelias.com slash starter dash pack. And there I have a resource for them that will help them narrow their niche, which is the first thing that we talked about, just getting really specific with their industry. Um, I have a guide there that will help you figure out what your lead magnet should be so you can start building your list, what you should put out for your first few emails, the template that I use inside of my content prep academy when you're ready to create your blog post, and then also helping you figure out your content plan. What are you going to be putting out content-wise for the next 90 days? So that is all free and available to you guys at mayaelias.com slash starter dash pack. And if you want to connect with me, talk to me, hang out with me inside of my Facebook group, you can go to mayaelias.com slash community. I love it. Well, Maya, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. And I want to encourage everybody to go check out mayaelias.com slash starter dash pack and definitely get in contact with Maya and let her know that you came from In the Trenches. Thank you. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.